Let's turn now to Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew, the uh, 22nd chapter, verse 29. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as the angels of God in heaven. In the resurrection. The story, of course, is that some of these Jews that didn't like him came to him and says, Master, here's a man who had a wife. And uh, he died. And she married the brother, and he died, and then she married his brother, and he died, and she married his brother, and he died, and there were seven of them, and finally she married all of them, and then she died. And they says, now, how's it going to be in this great resurrection you're talking about when you get to heaven? Whose wife is that woman going to be? She had seven men. She had seven husbands. Which one's going to get her when they get to heaven? And Jesus Christ said, Ye do err. If you knew the truth, you wouldn't ask questions like that. If you knew the truth, you wouldn't talk like that. If you knew the truth, you wouldn't even think in those terms. Ye do err, because you don't know the Scriptures. You don't know what the Scripture has to say about this life and the next life. You don't know what the scripture has to say about marriage and the relationship of the marriage bond in this life and the dissolving of that bond at death and what it's going to be like on the other side. You do err not knowing the scripture. And beloved, the one thing that every Christian must know and needs to know is the scripture. And that's why we come to church on Sunday. That's why we have this pulpit. That's why this Bible's on this pulpit. That you might come and hear a minister expound the Scriptures so that you will know the truth and you will be adequately informed concerning these matters so you won't waste your time jangling over a lot of questions that you shouldn't be concerned about. And if you knew the Scriptures you'd have your questions answered. If you knew the Scriptures, you would have the knowledge that you need in order to serve the Lord and to spend your time and your energy at the pursuits which would not be in vain. And then he says you don't understand the power of God either. You don't understand how God is able to change things, how God is able to do things in his almighty power. You just don't understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ does here and what it means for all eternity. And he says, if you understood that, you wouldn't be raising questions of this kind. But let's go into the answer which he gives. In the resurrection, he says. In the resurrection. This is Easter, and we've been rejoicing in the resurrection of Christ and all that's involved. But let's be very plain and very simple tonight, and many people are listening. And let's take the order as it is right now with us and take it step by step by step by step that we can just have this truth before us. 
every single person listening to me right now, every one of you, there'll be no exception. In fact, there can't be any exception. Includes me, includes every member of my family, includes you, includes every member of your family. Every single one of us, if the Lord doesn't come, are going to go through the door of death. Now, just when that moment's going to come, I don't know. You don't know, none of us know. Such a decision is in the hands of God. It is appointed unto man once to die. And there will be no exception. Your time has come. Your days at hand. It may be just on down the road tomorrow. It may be next week. It may be three weeks. It may be a year. It may be five years. It may be ten years. But I know good and well it's going to be before a hundred years. And every one of us in this room without a single exception, young or old, we're going to have to go up to this door of death. We're going to have to go right into it. We're going to have to open. And then what? Then what? And Easter has opened that door for us. Easter has opened that door for us. And consequently, as Christians and believers, we know the scriptures. We know what's in that chamber called death. We know where that door takes us. We know exactly what's beyond the other side. The world doesn't know. The world's in utter ignorance, utter darkness, utter confusion. Nobody knows what's on the other side of that door of death. They sit around and they guess and they philosophize and they build up a lot of superstition in regard to it. Men tie themselves in all sorts of systems thinking that they can reach through and somehow or other they can uh, imagine what's on the other side, but nobody knows what's on the other side of that door. Nobody. Unless you have the scriptures unless you have the scriptures. Ye do err not knowing the scriptures. You don't know what the resurrection is. You don't know what's on the other side of that door. You know nothing about it. And the only reason I can stand in this pulpit tonight and tell you what's on the other side of the door of death, and I can tell you what's on the other side of it without any doubt, I can tell you with all certainty exactly what's going to happen to you the moment you go through that door. I can explain it to you just as plain as anything can be explained. I can tell you tonight, and the only reason I can tell you, because I know the scriptures. That's all. Scriptures tell us. The scriptures have the answer. And I can tell you very plainly, if you're a believer in Christ and you're born again, you go through that door, and it just is the door into heaven. Nothing in between. Greatest thing can ever happen to you is to go through the door of death. Marvelous. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No fear. All the judgments of God have been removed between us and him. The cross did it. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We're ready to meet our maker tonight because we have been born into his kingdom and we're justified. My, when you think of the members of this church that used to sit here with us, 
I have matted it up recently, but I got to thinking about the other day that I think maybe I buried more people in this church than I have in it now. Imagine a preacher staying in a church until he's buried one whole set of pews and he's got another whole set on, to, to deal with. Imagine a situation like that developing. But that's exactly what happens. A whole generation that we've known have just all gone through the door of death. They've moved on. They've gone into the presence of the Lord. We know they're there because we know the Scripture. Because we believe what the Scriptures say. Because we have the answer. Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures. And you don't know the power of God. All right, now the ungodly comes up to that door of death. And what does he have? Nothing. Nothing but fears. And there are fears in the way. Nothing but darkness. And he takes a jump. He goes over a precipice. He goes out into a midnight that he knows nothing about. And he lands in hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And that's their abiding place. And the door of death for the believer is entrance into heaven. The door of death for the unbeliever is entrance into hell. And that's what the scripture teaches. The door of death. For the believer is victory and triumph and the sight of Jesus Christ. The door of death for the unbeliever is judgment and eternal damnation and hell where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched. And the decision as to whether the door of death will be heaven or whether it be, be hell depends upon what you, do with, what you do with Jesus Christ right now. That's what it depends on. All right, now let's take it a step further. Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. All right, let's just take Carl McIntyre, if you will, please. I come to that moment. When the Lord says that he wants to take me home, I have no idea how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, but he's going to do it one of these days. I'm going to go. And what happens? The spirit separates from the body. That's death. Death is the separation of the spirit the soul from the body, that's all. This body which you and I have is a temple of a spirit. That life is in the body, we have a spirit, we have a soul that dwells inseparably with this body, and all death is, is to tear them apart, take them apart. And when that happens, the souls of believers are made perfect in holiness, and do go immediately to be with the Lord. Beloved, everything about you that's unholy, everything that's in you that isn't right, you've been justified by faith, but we're still in the world of sin. We still have a lot of old corruption tied up in us. But by the power of God, when the gate of heaven is open for you to enter at the door of death, he'll make your soul perfect and holy. 
and you go immediately to be the Lord. There is no intermediate state. There is no purgatory. There's no need for anything like that. Jesus has removed the barriers. Jesus paid the price for all the sins. Jesus on that cross cried out, it's finished, and we believe it. And we know the scriptures in this matter, and we have no difficulties, and we have no troubles, and we have no fears. We just wait on the Lord until that day comes when he takes us through the door of death. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, How? Shall we know? And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come unto the Father but by me. And in that moment of death, it's Jesus that takes your hand and leads you through that valley and into the presence of himself and into the presence of the Father. That's death. Today is the day of triumph for us. Today the day is victory because Christ opened that tomb. He opened it all up. There's light in. There's no darkness there. We know where we're going. We know exactly what's on the other side because we know the scriptures. But that hasn't gotten us to the resurrection yet. That's just gotten us to heaven. And the next great step is, of course, that Christ shall return. The one who was raised, he went to the top of the Mount of Olives, he went into the presence, he said, this same Jesus which is taken up from you will come again in like manner. And when he comes, beloved, he will raise the dead. He'll raise them. Ye know not the scriptures, Christ the first fruit, First one to come out of the tomb, afterward they that are Christ that is coming and there'll be a mighty harvest on that resurrection day, a tremendous harvest of the bride of the church. All of us will come up with new bodies according to his almighty power and he will make us all in his own likeness and his image and we're waiting for that day of resurrection. And it'll be the church that'll be raised from the dead, not the children of the devil only the children of God on that great day of the rapture. Now that brings us to our text, brings us to this place where we are. You know, it's amazing uh, how little even some of the Christians understand these things. And maybe it's good for the pastor to take just a moment. And... Uh, it is the pastor's practice and has been through these many, many years that when any loved one is taken and we go immediately, we sit down in that home and we just take the scriptures. We sit around the scriptures. And oh, what a ministry it is, beloved, to go in hours like that. It's the greatest thing a preacher can do. 
I think sometimes baptizing the baby is the greatest thing the preacher does. And seal them and hear the parents take the claims. And I think sometimes just having a wedding is a nice thing. We have the greatest weddings in the kingdom in this church. You never saw the like. If you want a great wedding, join the church and we'll give you one. You never saw the like. The, what this church, the way things move in this church. And then I think when we get these great services and some of the great special times, the Christmas time, and these are, I think that's the greatest thing. But oh, beloved, when the death angel moves in and someone you've known someone the pastor knows they've slipped on they've gone and here we're left there's an empty place and there's no chair someone to sit in the chair and there we are and you go what do you do just take the scripture just take the scripture I would not have you to be ignorant brethren I'm going to give you the scripture concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others who have no hope. And then you sit there, and it's amazing. People that you wouldn't think would ask questions. I'd say, well, now, do you have any questions? And then somebody will ask the simplest question. I thought they knew it for 30 years. The simplest question. We go through the door of death. We go into the presence of Christ. We're there, perfect in his glory before him. And now we await the day when he shall return. And then he has the power in his own mouth. He has the word of resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He can speak that word. And he's the only one who can speak it. And when he comes and when he does speak it, the graves are going to open. And the redeemed of the Lord will be gathered to be about him in the great cloud and he'll be in the midst of his great congregation whom he has redeemed. Oh, beloved, God takes back the veil in so many of these things. And what delights my heart is that when you once get a taste of it, you begin to search and you begin to dig and you begin to go in it and you say, I want to know the scriptures. I want to learn the scriptures. And I've come to the conclusion that the knowledge that I have of this scripture, even here on this earth, is going to be very frail because I see through a glass darkly. But when we get on the other side, we'll see these scriptures as we've never seen them before. And we'll have light and understanding through this special revelation that we've never had before but God has opened the heavens and he said some man will say how are the dead raised up and will you tell me with what kind of bodies will they appear when that resurrection day comes you say that God's going to raise up everyone that he's redeemed he's going to raise up everyone who's called upon his name he's going to restore them and they'll have their own bodies and they'll be together with the great company praising the name of Jesus Christ yes we say it yes we preach it because the Bible contains this information for us to believe we're not going to be raised in some kind of a collectivistic socialistic empire we're all going to be individuals when we come up on that resurrection day we're all going to be ourselves but with what bodies do they come tell us tell us do you mean to say that everybody 
body's going to come up and what kind of a body are they going to have? Oh yes, these are the questions. What happens at the door of death? What do we see the moment we go through that door on the other side? We have the answer to that. What kind of bodies will we have on that resurrection day? Oh yes, we've got the answer to that too. He's opened the vista just a little and given us a little touch of an understanding of what it's going to be like. And he says, the one you now have, in which you now live, in which you're bound and you can't get rid of it. My, oh my, wouldn't it be nice if you could trade bodies with somebody for a while. Get somebody with a decent pair of eyes to look through. You could just trade bodies. I'm telling you, you'd have a mix-up for sure in this country if everybody could switch bodies. Wouldn't we have a mess on our hands if we were trading bodies? You can't trade it. You can't get rid of it. You can't get it off of you. You have to stay with it. You just can't do anything about it. And furthermore, it's filled with all sorts of frailties and weaknesses. You get the earache. You get the toe ache. Something goes wrong with your ticker and it begins to make some sort of a noise and you get scared. You've had a heart attack. Your, li your liver gets to hurting or something else. You never saw what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen next. You can't tell what's going, to, what's going to break out on you. But this thing, we're in it. And he says the one you now have, he says it's going to be sown in corruption. And the moment your spirit leaves this body, this whole body just becomes one mass of corruption. And we have to get rid of the thing. We have to take it out and put it in the ground or burn it up or do something with it so it won't contaminate the rest of humanity. The moment your life goes out of that body, it's sown in corruption. It's sown in weakness. Weakness, there's no strength. Once the spirit goes, once the mind is stopped, once the heart doesn't beat, once that over, it's utterly helpless. You can't even wiggle your little toe. You're dead. It's sown in dishonor. Oh, the dishonor that here's a man who walks erect. Here's a man who's been told to have dominion over the creatures. Here's a man who's been made in the image and the likeness of God. Sin ruined that. Sin brought this misery. Sin brought this death. And when he goes down, it is in dishonor into the tomb and into the grave. No man can keep his, his soul alive. No man can do anything to touch these things. Do you realize how inevitable, how, how helpless, how powerless we are in these realms? We just simply are carried along, and when death lays its hands upon us, we can do nothing but just have a guttural cry or something else of that nature, and then we're swallowed up in death. But what does he say? I'm going to raise this body up, and when I do, he says, it will be a powerful body. I'll give you the power that was in me on the resurrection morning. It'll be a glorious body. It'll be like the one I had when I came out of the tomb. Oh, it'll be a body that will be incorruptible. No longer will death have any dominion over your being. No longer will death have any power over your existence. Oh, death, you've been destroyed. And there will be no longer any death or any experience of death for you again.
Now that's just ahead of us. So is the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in corruption. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, that's what you have is the image of the earthy, meat and potatoes and a few other things. Ye shall bear the image of the heavenly. That's just ahead of us. So is the resurrection of the dead. Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures. And if there's one thing that the church ought to understand, it's what the Scriptures teach concerning our transition in the heaven. And what the Scriptures teach concerning the resurrection moment when the dead shall be raised and we shall see the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the church should understand because we believe the Scriptures to be God's revelation to us concerning these matters. We believe in them. But how about these angels in heaven? Well, the Bible's full of the revelation concerning angels. I've never seen one of them. I've never seen one of these angels. Uh, they were active here on the earth, especially during certain times of the revelation, especially during the time of our Lord. After the devil tempted him, you know, the angels came and ministered to him. It was an angel that God sent by the name of Gabriel that carried the message that the son was coming and he'd be born of the virgin. The angels attended the ministry of our Savior. And during the hour of his trial, he said, Know ye not that I could call twelve legions of angels and they'd take me out of your hand? And they could have done it. And all principalities and powers, the good angels, the holy angels, the righteous angels, they are submissive to his commandments. They're ministering spirits. And they do what God commands them to do. And there are archangels, chief angels, and there are great legions of angels. And then we have the colony of the fallen angels. And here's Lucifer, Satan, that old monster who has become the devil. And here he is with his great legion, ubiquitous, an innumerable company of the devils and the demons that are out here in the spirit world. And they are assaulting the church and they're working on the people of God. How do we know it? Because we know the scripture. That's all. He do err, not knowing the scripture. Not knowing the scripture. And so they came and asked Jesus about this matter of marriage. And he says, well, now in this respect, he says it's very similar to the life of the angels. And oh, let me lay it before you now in just two or three points. Jesus Christ says, But in the resurrection, there will no longer be, so far as the human race is concerned, any reproduction. It's ended. The only place that babies can be born 
down here in this place where you put that. The angels are created beings and they don't reproduce. This one was created Lucifer, this one was created Michael, and this one was created Gabriel, and Gabriel didn't have any little Gabriels. There are no such things. Each angel has been created separately, and here he is, and he's being as he is, and that's all. But down here on this earth, God said, I'm going to do it different with mine. I'm going to make Adam and Eve in my likeness and make him the first man. And then I'm going to put in his body this thing called a seed, the seed of man. And it will generate and generate and generate and generate. And I'll put him in a paradise and I'll give him a commandment to replenish the earth and multiply. And only on this earth are babies born. Only on this earth is there a generation and a reproduction from generation to generation and from generation we add it up and we call it years and we have our history and here's this man and here's this family and here are the different wives and here are the different children here are the different grandchildren and only on this earth does the human race reproduce itself. But when you go through the door of death and you enter into the presence of the Lord, we'll be like the angels in this regard. No longer any increase so far as the seed of man is concerned. You know, when you take that and begin to break it down and think of it for just a minute, it has an awful lot in it. It's only on this earth that the church is going to be built by the seed. It's only on this earth that new voices are going to be produced out of the human race that will sing the praises of the Lamb. If you're going to have any children, you'll have to have them here, my friend. If you're going to have any family, if you're going to be a part of this great program of generation and raising up families and voices to sing the Lord and to be the children of Abraham, it's only here on this earth that the children of Abraham are born. There'll be none of it after you pass through the door of death. There'll be none of it throughout the ages of the ages of eternity. How beautifully the Lord tells us that. But oh, it takes you one further step as you see these mighty teachings. Beloved, it is only here on this earth that the individual can accept the Redeemer and become a child of God. When you pass through the door of death 
and your soul's made perfect in holiness and you become like the angels, holy, holy, so the angels sing. And here we are, the redeemed, singing the same songs of holiness, but we praise God for redemption. All they can praise him for is creation, but we praise him for redemption. But beloved, the only place that a sinner can hear the gospel to the saving of his soul is on this place which we call the earth. And we're on it tonight. There's no other place where a sinner can be taken out from the kingdom of the devil and brought over into the kingdom of God's dear son. Beloved, nobody's saved after they go to hell. There is no second chance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of grace. And on the platform of this little earth which is twirling about the sun and in this great planetary system right here on this earth, God has ordained that his son should leave glory and come into this realm where life is being produced and come into this realm where Satan has his dominion and come into this realm and challenge death and taste it and come up alive and bring many souls into glory. And it's only here that that's being done. You know, I think when we get to heaven we'll do a lot of preaching, but there's one thing I'll never be able to do when I get to heaven. Never give an invitation to a sinner to be saved. There won't be anybody there to be saved. It's only here. It's only during our lifetime here. It's only during the days that we breathe here that you can teach a Sunday school and read young girls into a knowledge of the truth and then challenge them to be clean and pure and holy and to protect the chastity of their body. It's only down here on this earth that you fathers and you mothers can take your children and teach them the love of God and tell them that God redeemed them for himself. And they must live for him because after it's all over, they'll just be like the angels up there. This is the day of redemption. This is the place where man multiplies. This is the place where the church is being formed. This is the church where the gospel in its grace has its power to lift men out of the grave and to take them into the heavens. When the Lord comes, there won't be any resurrection on Mars. Nobody up there to resurrect. When he comes... There won't be any resurrection out there upon Jupiter somewhere. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't the purpose. Right here's the place. And when someone asked the question, why did the Son of God, the creator of the whole universe with all these planets and all these spheres and all the great expanse of the universe before him, why did he come down to this little insignificant thing which they call the earth, which is in such a mess, and nobody knows what's involved? Why did he ever come down here? The answer is he came down here to save your soul because you were down here. And we're bound in it of the earth earthy. And as we born the image of this earthy, he says that he came that we might bear the image of the heavens. And the great plan of redemption far exceeds the span of creation. 
And the glory of God is that he wants man to be saved because he, because he made him in his image and told him to rule and have dominion. And when man fell into sin, he brought upon him this awful condemnation of death. And today Jesus opened the tomb. Today Jesus came out of that grave. And because I live, ye shall live. Today Jesus Christ has given to us an opening for the eternity and we can look down the corridor and we can walk straight into the jaws of death without any fear, knowing we'll meet Jesus face to face. We can await the resurrection day without any fear, knowing that when we come up we will be in his likeness and his power. And when Jesus Christ he says ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, let's learn the scriptures. Let's come to Bible churches. Let's be done with all this scoffing at the word of God. Let's be done with all this storytelling that we have myths, we have parables, we have legends. Beloved, we have nothing of a kind. We have the revelation from God that he sent his son down here to die for us that we might be made in his likeness and that we might have the gift and the treasure of everlasting life. We're going to be like the angels of heaven just in these particulars. But I don't want to go ahead. I'd like to and tell you how we're not going to be like the angels of heaven. But one of the things in which we're not going to be like them no angel that ever fell will ever be redeemed. When Lucifer was thrown out of heaven and he became Satan, he was assigned to hell and hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But the cross was prepared for man. God had no intention of ever saving Satan and delivering from hell. And he's not going to do it. The devil and his companions have an eternity without God in the darkness of hell. But in the case of man, he provided a redemption. And we're different from the angels. There's a passage in Ephesians that you love to look at. It's a mysterious, it's a mysterious passage. People wonder. But I think we've seen the meaning of it, and I've come to love it. Through the church, in the ages of the ages, the manifold wisdom of God will be seen by the great hosts of heaven. These angels come around. Lucifer comes around. He goes to hell where he belongs. Gabriel comes along. He looks at this. He says, I took the message down to Mary and she received it. But what is this? You know what's going on tonight? You want me to describe it for you? Here's this earth on which you and I live. Little round. Every minute, thousands of people are going off of it. We're leaving. Hospitals are full of people just leaving. Bed chambers are full of people they're leaving. And as this great multitude leaves, there's a parting. One group's going over here and going up to heaven. And there's just a steady stream of redeemed ones welcomed up in heaven. My, what a reception goes on up there all the time. And then here's this other stream that's going off down here and it's going down into hell. That's what's going on right now. Right this very minute. 
Thousands of people are moving into heaven. Thousands of souls are moving into hell. But what's happening up there in heaven? Here are the angels and the archangels. And they say, what's going on? What's this crowd here coming up? Look at this thing. Here's a stream of them. Here comes this man. Well, Carl McIntyre's coming one of these days. And look at these men that have already gone. Harvey Springer went up there one of these days. And here they come. Just look at this stream. Coming up to heaven. Coming up to heaven. Who are they? Where are they coming from? How did it happen? And the answer is when they look at the church, they see the manifold wisdom of God, his plan, whereby his son came and died and paid the penalty for their sins, that they might be freed, that they might be justified, that they might enter into glory. And the answer to the angels and the hosts of heaven for the steady stream of the redeemed marching up to Zion the answer to the great invisible host of the creation, the angels and the archangels, is that it's possible for man to enter heaven because Christ died and rose again. That's all. Now I must close the message. And may I say to you tonight as I close this Easter night message that this pulpit tonight my presence here tonight, what I preach to you tonight out of this Word, makes this little spot one of the precious lighthouses in a dark place down here. It is a dark place. And wherever there's a light burning, wherever there's a preacher standing, wherever there's a church meeting where this message is being preached, there's light there. And it's the light that opens the tomb and throws all the rays you can go in and put your flashlight everywhere. There's no crevice. There's no hidden part. There's nothing there. There are no snakes. There are no demons. There are no rats. There are no bugs. There's nothing in that tomb. Nothing there. It's open. It's empty. Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven to you and me. And when that summons comes, we'll go straight to be with Jesus. And we'll see him. And we'll await the day of resurrection. We'll be like the angels in heaven. The ungodly listen to this and they say, what a dream. The ungodly hear this sort of thing and they say, what foolishness. What in the world besets these Christians? Let's take them down to Lakeland and give them some psychiatric treatment. Anybody that's got such a hallucination as this, let them call it an hallucination. It is the gift of God to the believer who has been saved by Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, if you're not saved tonight, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're wandering in paths of sin, ask him to forgive you and turn into the paths of righteousness. My friend, on this Easter night, heaven is just before us. And will you be in the redeemed company? Will you be members of his church? Will you take this course and come into his presence when he summons you? Or will you remain to die in your sins and to awaken the pit of eternal judgment where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched? You can't preach the Easter message 
without announcing the judgment of sin upon those who will not believe in Christ. My friend, are you saved? Have you been born again? Are you the child of God? Let us pray. Oh God, we thank thee for this great Easter message. We thank thee that you've made it so clear to us that we lay hold upon these scriptures, we would know the scriptures, and then we would know the power of God to change and to open the grave and to give us new bodies and to bring the church together in the heaven of heavens. Father, we thank thee tonight that we've heard a glorious story that Christ died for us and thou didst raise him from the dead. Amen.